Let us turn to Psalm 17 in our Bibles for our reading today, our scripture reading. Beginning to read with verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Hear a just or hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Uh, let my vindication come from your presence, that your eyes look upon the things that are upright. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have proposed that my mouth shall not transgress concerning the works of men. By the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your path, that my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me, and hear my speech. Show your marvelous, my loving kindness by your right hand. O you who save those who trust in you, from those who rise up against them, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of of your wings from the wicked who oppress me. <clears throat> they have or from the from the deadly enemies who surround me. They have closed up their fat hearts with their mouths. They speak proudly. They have surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes crouching down to the earth as a lion is eager to tear its prey, and like a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Lord, confront him, cast him down, deliver my life from the wicked with your sword, with your hand from men, O Lord, from men of the world who have their portion in this life, and whose belly you fill with your hidden meat treasure. They are satisfied with children, and leave the rest of their possessions for their babes. But as for me, I will see your face. In righteousness, I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. May the Lord bless us uh, with a great understanding of this passage of Scripture. <clears throat> uh, the title of the sermon is Seeing and Being Seen, and I want to focus upon uh, two verses which have that as their focus, verse 8 and verse 15. Um, where the first verse says, uh, keep me as the apple of your eye. Um, and then lastly, in verse 15, it says, but as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Now, verse 15 is the verse, is the real reason why I picked this psalm, or why I was drawn to the psalm. And I was drawn to the psalm because we sing the psalm. Because we sing psalms on Sunday. And so that verse 15 just leapt out at me the first time that I saw it as we sang it. Uh, as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. And my, my brain just began to fantasize upon that idea. And so it's from that battery that we draw this energy today uh, of, of a whole sermon on this psalm. Uh, seeing and being seen. Uh, this is a psalm about David, 
it's identified that way in the introduction to the psalm. It says a psalm of David, and it's a psalm of David from one of those many times. Most commentators believe it was before he was anointed king, while Saul sought him, King Saul, uh, who sought him. Saul was not happy enough to enjoy God's goodness, but he sought to quench the future goodness of Israel, where what, in which God had foreordained that David would be king. And so he was jealous. He knew that this was in God's intent. And so he began to seek after David so that he could kill him, as if, as if this evil king could somehow thwart the intentions and the decrees of the Lord. But in the same way that he could not stop David from becoming king, he could not stop our Lord Jesus Christ from becoming the Messiah and ascending on high, taking all things captive uh, by his hand. Uh, so um, <clears throat> it is a psalm of David that uh, in which uh, uh, these ideas are, are put forth. And these, these two key verses um, are wonderfully illustrated and uh, contextualized by the psalm around them. Uh, keep me as the apple of your eye, and <clears throat> as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. Uh, I want you to keep those, those verses in mind that is seen and being seen uh, by the Lord and how the Lord sees us, how the, when he sees us, what his uh, disposition, his psychology is. He keeps us as the apple of his eye, and uh, then it's far more than psychology because he gives us the capacity to see him, to, to see the Lord in a, an extra terrestrial, extra transcendental sense of total righteousness, even here in this world. And so at that point, the, the, the psalm is wonderfully, what the Puritans call wonderfully experimental. In other words, as we go through the psalm and as we look at it, we listen to it, it takes us into that dear, immediate relationship that we can have with the Lord. And uh, brothers and sisters, if you exist merely as um, awkward gazers of God and his kingdom, then let this psalm exhort you that there is far more to the Lord than simple, simply the knowledge of God in a distant kind of a way or in the way that where we might know that he exists as a, as a being. No, God expects us to have experience with him. He expects us to enjoy him, just as he has created us to be whole creatures that can experience things. We don't just, we don't just see the sunrise in the morning. When we see it, when, when we gaze upon it, it tends to arrest us and catch us up with it. And we, we see its loveliness, and we look at how the light rays are beginning to brighten the world around us, and we see its colors, and we rejoice because our senses are uh, enlivened and agitated and excited by the things that we see. So is to be our relationship with the living God. How many are the people in the history of the church who have been encouraged unto regeneration over exhort exhortations just like this. They've heard the preacher saying that you should have excitement in your life with the Lord. You should have an excitement through the Son and the Spirit. 
unto the Father. And the people in the pew heard these things, and they thought, well, I just, I come here, I worship, but I don't hear, I don't see in my own life that about which the preacher is speaking. And so they begin to pray about their own lives. And then out of that deadness and lack of excitement in their hearts, they've come to be introduced to the living God. Might we all already be uh, regenerate here in this church? But I know that we are not. I know that there are, uh, because the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceptive. And we, we can think, we only know what we really know. And when you, when you, if you, you cannot see the kingdom of God except the Holy Spirit uh, opens that up to you. And so there, I, I know myself, I thought I was a believer. And yet when the Lord um, crashed down upon me, that verse in Job came to mind. I've seen, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now I see thee face to face. And, uh, I'm overwhelmed by thee. So uh, when we come to portions of the scripture like this that touch on the fantastic relationship that we can have with God, let us all be agitated unto a greater righteousness. Now, <clears throat> so I want to draw you, first of all, I want to draw your attention to these two key verses. Uh, I'll speak about them more as I, as I get to them. But first of all, there's the apple of the eye. Um, this is somewhat of an enigmatic phrase. And um, as I started my sermon, I was looking for a, a, a particular note that I had, uh, uh, which I left at home on my desk. Uh, but uh, there, there, are, there are about four or five scriptures that speak, that use this phrase, the apple of the eye. And um, uh, to the best of our abilities, as we look at this uh, phrase, this picture, it, it comes from the idea of the eye being round and the, especially the pupil of the eye, where uh, that, that is the place where it lets light in, where people, even the, before they understood the complexities of sight, understood how key the eye was for the operations of sight, for our discernment, for our perception. And so the, the, uh, the pupil, or the, uh, what, what many believe is the reference here, the apple of the eye, is a very precious thing in and of itself, but it also uh, opens up to us the ability to see and to perceive so many other things of, of loveliness and beauty. And so <clears throat> it becomes a metaphor or a picture for a very precious thing that then enables us to see other things. And so... Uh, when the psalmist, when David said, keep me in the, as the apple of your eye, he was referring to this special relationship uh, that, that uh, the eye provides for us. And he realizes that, that the Lord looks upon us as the, as the apple of his eye, as this very special thing that he looks upon and rejoices over with us. And so... Um, that is a um, uh, that is a very special thing. And uh, one of the Puritans said, uh, referring to this verse, he said, "When you when you see, there's such a difference between seeing someone who is another person and then seeing someone you know and who you love, because when you see when, when we might when we might see a whole crowd of people, but on a weary day when we suddenly see someone that we we know." 
with whom we have some affection. You're at the grocery store and you turn the corner and there suddenly you see one of the members of the congregation or a friend from a club or something like that. And, and your heart, does not your heart leap within you over that special knowledge? Well, um, the Puritan said, this is what he, he sees here. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Keep me as that special person who, who is one of the elect for whom Christ died. Keep me in that special place. Look upon me in that way. And then, um, and then the verse 15, where the psalmist says, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I wake in your likeness. Now, the thing that blitzed my brain when I, uh, and, and that's the, one of the beauties of the psalms, they, put, they just phrase things in such an exciting and yet didactic way, in, in a way that the rest of the scripture does not. Uh, the Psalms really are a kind of theology book, and, uh, and also a songbook, but also a theology book, and and so um, it just it seemed to me so bold when I when I sang this for the first time. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. Uh, I was amazed at the at the promise here that that the elect, the people that that do come to Christ, that do believe in the gospel that they shall see there, there shall be such an open relationship uh, visually with God that we, uh, we shall see, as the Bible says, his face, which we know that we cannot see the depths of God because it would be like looking into the sun. It would burn out our eyes, the brightness and the intensity of the divine God, the deity. But God does, uh, by this similitude, by this figure of speech, his face. He uses the image of his face. He, he, he shows us that as we look upon him, we shall see something like a face. We shall see the friendliness. As we look upon the Lord and we, we, we have these theological thoughts of his providence and his love and his covenant love and the kindnesses that he's done to us in our past, we will, we will look upon not a, an, an ogre or a fearsome God who does has no affection for us, but we will we will look upon him, and we will it will be like looking upon someone's face who loves us, and we we will know that as we look upon him. And God promises us here: as for me, I will see your face. David knows that despite the trials under which he is in now, he's been promised to be a king. You know the the. the the privations of our life are always measured by the ease and the goodness and the blessings that we've already tasted. And so David knows that he is to be king. He's been told that by Samuel. He's seen the kingdom. He's been a visitor to Saul's court very often. And yet it seems like no matter what he does in the way of righteousness or goodness, it agitates this evil king. It upsets him. The sweeter is David, the more onerous is Saul. And so um, David has seen the hard. David has seen the cruel. David has seen hatred. He has seen hatred return for the love that he has. He loved Saul. He had nothing but good in his heart uh, toward Saul. But Saul was evil toward him. But in the midst of this, he knows that the Lord is there. The Lord is his God. And he knows that 
uh, in the day of the Lord, in the day of, uh, of, of judgment, in the day of eternity. He knows that he will look upon the face of the Lord. And he will say, he said, I will see your face in righteousness. Now, um, obviously, this reminds us of Jesus Christ. This is not just, there is a double sense of righteousness here. There's a sense of our our, our uh, the, the absolute righteousness that we might have through Christ, and there's the sense of our actual righteousness in terms of the flesh now. But what David is talking about here is the perfected righteousness uh, uh, that we see in, in Christ and in heaven. Now, isn't it amazing that we who are sinners can, 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 can contemplate or meditate on the fact that we will see God's face in righteousness. That there will be no, that there can be, as we look upon our Lord in the, in the ministry of Jesus Christ, wrapped up as we are in his priest's garments. Remember, he is our high priest. He, he meditates, he um, intercedes for us uh, continually in this world. So that while we are yet sinners, we are made saints or perfect in Christ through wearing his robe of righteousness. And so it's just amazing to me. It's a fa fantastic to me to think of, of, of my heart and my soul seeing God and his righteousness uh, totally unencumbered with my own sin and my own lethargies and darkness of heart. Oh, lovely it is. And so the first time I sang this as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. It captured my heart. And I, I thought, what a good thing it is to sing the Psalms, to see these messages to us that open up these tremendous vistas uh, unto us that we can meditate upon. So I would, I would call you to meditate upon these two verses that we might be the apple of the Lord's eye and that, and that we might see him in this full-orbed, bright, um, clean, perfect righteousness. Now you, you take those two images now and then you read the rest of the psalm uh, through those eyes. And I'm following um, David Dix Dixon, the old Puritan, wrote a number of uh, commentaries, one on the Psalms, and David Dixon divided the Psalm in four ways here, which I've got on the outline on the bulletin. Uh, first of all, David craves justice in his controversy with his oppressors. Secondly, he implores the Lord's help uh, in this. Thirdly, he describes his foes and seeks God's help with their devices. And lastly, then he closes with this, with his plea, he closes his plea with this amazing, with amazing confidence, this declaration about seeing the Lord in his righteousness. And surely that brings our minds to the ministry of Christ, because it's only in Christ that we can be righteous in this world. It's only in Christ that we can stand before the Lord ultimately and not be terrified. But how, how can we be terrified in the day of judgment when we have such an advocate with us as this perfect son in whom the father is well pleased? And this is the one that argues for us. He says there's nothing, there's nothing uh, 
evil or of mixed uh, morals in the servant, O Father, because he is in me. And I am the apple of your eye, and through me they are the apple of your eye, O Lord. Bless them and give them their everlasting reward. So uh, we we see these we see the psalm and David in his travail and in his suffering. We see him having this eye of faith in the midst of all of his trials. I don't know what I don't know all the trials of your lives. I know some of them, but do you have the eye of faith in the midst of this? I know. Uh, I just found out this past week that my sister Sherry is having a, a very severe case of macular degeneration that she's found out is um, is uh, um, in her genes. I can't think of the adverb <laughs> to uh, uh, use, using that idea. But uh, uh, she just started having tr- a little trouble seeing. Uh, uh, went from one prescription to another very quickly. Saw the saw the fast decline in her eyesight, so she went to the eye doctor, and he said, "Well, there are two kinds of macular degeneration. One one's kind of slow and it's not too bad. The others the other's pretty bad, and it goes it goes quickly." And, um, and so she's preparing now to lose her eyesight. She's preparing now to be blind. Uh, but it was wonderful to hear her testimony of how she was so ready to accept this state if it comes to that. If it, if it comes to that, she's so ready for it. Uh, she said, I would, rather, I would rather lose my sight than not be able to hear uh, my loved ones or be able to hear the scripture read on a Sunday morning. And uh, I, I just uh, marvel that she, she's, she goes to an evangelical church, but the things that she was saying, uh, were the things of, uh, of uh, extraordinary depth of heart and theology about her awareness of, of the Lord and his uh, hard providences. And so David um, David was like this. Now the, the, the first his first the first part of this, he, he craves justice in his controversy. We see that in verses one through four. Here a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. We know we are sinners. We know that we are deceitful in many ways. But we also get involved in controversies in this life where we know that the controversy has not come about because of our deceits. Not become, not come about because of our selfishness. And so David, David says this. He says, this has arisen. It's not because of deceitful lips on my part. And um, but he prays them, let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things which are upright. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. Well, think of the faith. Are you ever visited in the night? Do you ever have thoughts of the Lord during the evening, or wake up? You have tried me and have found nothing. Now David, as he speaks this way, he speaks from faith because if the Lord, if it were not for Christ, God would find all kinds of things. But if we are hidden with Christ, if we see ourselves in Christ, united with Him, then we can speak this way. You have tried me and found nothing. I have purported that my mouth shall not transgress. 
concerning the works of men, by the word, word of your lips I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. He is with self-consciousness. Self he is trying to avoid evil ways. He sees himself walking in the covenant way, according to God's covenant. He's made an effort at it. If we make no efforts in our lives, if we, if we simply let ourselves slide along with the people that are around us, talking like they talk, thinking like they talk, doing the things that they do, we cannot speak this way. But if we become alive to God's covenant, it gives us encouragement that his spirit is working within us. And so we see, first of all, that he, he craves justice in this controversy with Saul. <clears throat> Secondly, in just two verses, he cries out, he employs God, God for help. He knows that God is the source of his help. He says, uphold my steps in your paths, and my footstep, that my footsteps may not slip. I've called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. God is happy to hear this plea from us when we have these overwhelming circumstances in our lives. Do you have overwhelming circumstances in your lives? Be still and know that he is the Lord. Rest in him. Cry out to him. He will hear you. Uh, you will be the apple of his eye. And then, uh, then the third thing here is David employs God for, I mean, uh, the third thing here is that God, that David describes um, uh, his uh, his problems and his enemies, and he, he seeks God's help against all of their devices. Now, much like last week's psalm, where the Lord described the evil that beset us, here we see the same thing. God's eyes are not closed. God sees everything. The evil, evil people can take no consolation that even though God sees what they're doing, he allows them to to perpetuate themselves in their evil. Take They should take no confidence from that whatsoever. That will terrify them. Because he's chronically in their evil in, in its deepest ways. God knows our evil more than we do. The moment we protest, we say, well, God, I didn't do that, or God, I didn't mean that. And like some uh, powerful psychologist uh, 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 lawyer, he might come after us and say, you did look at this bit of evidence and that bit of evidence. And he shows us that even where we think we're innocent, he, he explodes that in our eyes and he shows us how evil we are, how selfish we are, how the very things that we think might uh, deliver us or be arguments for our innocence turn out to argue for more guilt on our behalf. And so um, David writes, show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you, from those who rise up against them. <clears throat> Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings from the wicked who oppress me, from the deadly enemies who surround me. People pretend that they're, that they're, they're just trying to help you or that they're doing this or that for your good, but in their hearts they often have uh, death and murder that are driving them. They have closed up their fat hearts with their mouths. They speak proudly. Um, fat can be a blessing in the times of, uh, of uh, famine, but it's normally not considered a, a mark of beauty. 
And here the Lord applies that to the hearts. And we know just in medicine that fat around the heart, hearts that are surrounded by fat are in a deadly condition, ready to have a heart attack. They have now surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes crouching down to the earth as a lion is eager to tear its prey, like a young lion lurking in secret places. Now the animals of this world behave um, instinctually. The lion as he crouches, you've probably seen films of big cats upon the, upon the African plains. And you see their eyes, the eye, those big cat eyes that are focused on a, an antelope. They're just waiting. Not, they're, they're not even wiggling an ear. They're, they're not ready to draw any attention to the fact that they're there as a threat. But as you look into the eye of the beast, you learn everything you, not, you need to learn. And God uses this metaphor to portray the evildoer, the person uh, who would threaten us. God uses this metaphor to picture Saul. Saul again and again pretended to be a righteous king, demanded of his people that they respect him. This is what God sees, though. God saw, God see, saw the cat-like, wild, flesh-desiring look in Saul's eyes as he looked at David, the things that he wanted from David. And so David, David lists these before the Lord and says, Help me, help me, O God, with, the, with exactly this kind of thing. Uh, help me to survive this kind of thing. So David uh, describes his foes. And he seeks God's help from their devices. And so it's in the midst of this time of persecution that David has these other holy thoughts that enliven his faith. Most of us desire to avoid all such difficulty, such difficult situations. We, we hesitate to expose ourselves the great weakness or threat. But here's David in the midst of one of these things, when he's on the run, hiding in caves by the night, depending on sentinels to warn him of, uh, of uh, parties that are ready to assault him and kill him. It's at these times when David can hardly sleep. He's so anxious about his life. It's in times like these that he, he says, but as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. So the, all of these things are around him. He's surrounded by these threats. And yet he says, but as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. He anticipates that day when his sanctification will be full. And he'll be totally free from all of the fetters both conscious and unconscious, or known and unknown. There, there's so many things that besiege us that we don't really understand. I mean, we are at fault where we are self-consciously uh, involved in the promotion or the promulgation of evil in our lives. But there are many other places in our lives where it's just stupidity, it's a, a dullness of, to, of sense that we don't understand the things around us. But, but David here can, can look forward. And he can see that day when he will be 
awake in the very the very likeness of God. When God created us way back in the garden, He created us in His image and likeness. Did He not? Oh, lovely were those days before the fall where God would come into the garden and we would leap like little children, excited to see our mommies and daddies in total innocence. Oh, that day was so bright until the day of darkness came. When we tried to make ourselves as wise as God and we ate of the forbidden fruit and we transgressed his covenant and a darkness crashed down upon us and that faith which had been so open to God, that faith which was so excited to see the Lord, that would leap when God came into the garden, now that faith operated in the opposite way. And Adam and Eve fled from the presence of God when he appeared in the garden. Psychologically, they were traumatized by his visit. But in this case, David says, I shall be satisfied when I wake in your likeness. Such such is the promise of the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. Let us us lust after that. Let us yearn for it. Let Let us make the Psalms our friends. Let they be the windows to our souls. Let them open up to us new vistas that we have not seen in our lives. That we might rejoice before his face. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank thee for David. We thank thee for his faith. We sometimes think condescendingly about these Old Testament saints as if they were nothing, as if they knew nothing until the incarnation of our Lord. But here with David, we see that he he is our parent in terms of the knowledge of God. He, He could see wonderful things, things that had been taught to him by his father, about the fathers before them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, about the great Noah, Oh God, bless us with such things as we read thy word, and especially as we sing thy psalms. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.